The scripture reading this morning is from 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 18. Uh, that might not say that in your bulletin, but we've expanded the reading a little bit. So once again, we start from verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as good like one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that good of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, Horeb the mount of God. There, came, there he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the Lord of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I am only, am, am left and seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it in pieces, pieces the rocks before the Lord. And the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the Lord of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword, and I... Even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Yehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of abel Mahola you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu 
shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. So earlier this summer, I spent time with my extended family at the beach. And when the younger kids saw the waves, they were afraid. And they didn't want to get in the water. Then recently, I was intertubing on the Shenandoah River, floating on an intertube down the river, and I saw a boy ahead of me on an intertube get afraid when he entered the rapids, and he jumped off his tube in the middle of the rapids. When there's fear, people disengage. Sometimes, like the children, they see what's scary, or they have this fear, and they never engage in the first place. They move away from the water. And the boy, he's sitting on what's helping him float, and in his fear, he jumps off that, abandoning his help. Fear is powerful. It keeps us from engaging and serving God, And sometimes, in fear, we do things that don't make sense at all in the face of the situation. But fear is a part of life. Fear affects every one of us. Some fears might be fear of having enough money, fear of being alone, fear of not being liked, fear of failure, Fear of change or fear of death. Even those with faith, those who know God, will experience fear. If we look back at 1 Kings, not just chapter 19, the part that Arun read, but even a little bit earlier on, and see all that God has done for Elijah. Well, God had provided Elijah life in the midst of discouragement. He provided food for him miraculously, first in the wilderness and then through a poor widow. And then God restored the life of the widow's son in response to Elijah's prayer. And then he turned the faith of God's people back to him. He, in the midst of a confrontation that Elijah had with the prophets of Baal, where Elijah set his altar and put his sacrifice on it, and then poured water all over it, God had sent fire to burn up the whole altar and the sacrifice. He had turned the people back to him. And then, not, if that's not enough, after that, God had brought rain after three years of drought through Elijah's prayer. So, after experiencing God's work in all of these amazing ways, Elijah was afraid. Jezebel's threat to kill him 
sent him running away into the wilderness. Even after all these amazing things had happened, Elijah lost his nerve. God doing miracles is supposed to empower faith. But it took just one bad thing for Elijah to be overcome by fear and disengage from ministry. Fear can determine a person's actions even when things are going well. I mean, consider star athletes. I mean, achievement is supposed to make a person happy. But then why do successful athletes, someone like cyclist Lance Armstrong or so many major league baseball players, take performance-enhancing drugs? I think it's because they're afraid their God-given talent is not enough. I'm not trying to say don't be afraid, because whether things are going well or not, it's normal to be afraid. The question that we need to ask is, does fear determine our actions, or does faith? Well, Elijah, as we heard, let fear determine his actions rather than his faith in God. After fleeing into the wilderness, Elijah asked to die. But that's not really what he wanted. I mean, he fled in the first place so he wouldn't die. His fear was leading him, and he couldn't keep going in ministry with the threat to his life. So he ran away. He really wanted to escape difficulty. And when he realized that running away didn't help, when that didn't help him escape difficulty, he gave up. When there's a threat to ministry, a threat to us of acting out of our faith, that's what ministry is, just acting out of our faith. When there's a threat to that, like uncertainty, a time of transition in our own lives or the life of the church, it's easy just to try to escape difficulty. And you can disengage in participation from participation in the church because you're uncomfortable, because something goes wrong, because you're unsure. Or you can, on the other hand, choose to never engage in the church, to never participate in the ministry of the church because you're not sure what to do. You think you're afraid that there might be failure, that you won't be accepted by others in the congregation. But if we just disengage or if we just leave, we quickly realize that the fears that led to that don't go away in some different location. We are tempted to give up in our fear even when God has been providing for us and working through us. But the good news is that God is with us even when we want to give up. God provides strength for us to participate in the ministry that he's called us to. And God didn't let Elijah give up. God twice provided for Elijah after he ran away, sending an angel to encourage Elijah to take strength 
providing him with food. However, what did Elijah do with his newfound strength? He didn't go back to his place of ministry. Instead, he continued to travel away from it, to the mountain of God. And Elijah ended up in a cave. And the Lord asked Elijah when he's in the cave, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now this question could be understood two different ways. One, as an accusation. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why did you flee to safety instead of continuing in ministry, empowered by me? Or the question could be understood as an invitation. What are you doing here, Elijah? What, what do you need from me to continue in ministry? Let the Lord ask you this question right now. What are you doing here? What are you doing here in life, in church? Do you know? Are you trying to escape difficulty? Are you seeking to be empowered for ministry? It's when we're faced with that question that God asks us that we see the depth of our need because things are difficult oftentimes. But this is what leads us to faith in God. Fear, on the other hand, which can lead us to faith in God, also can trap us in neediness. It can lead us to giving up, sometimes even before we start. And as we consider ministry, fear often traps us in our inadequacy. We forget our strengths and we focus on all our limitations. We forget what God is asking us to bring to others. Well, Elijah had a response to God's question. When God asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, basically, I've served you, Lord, and nothing has changed. I alone am left as the faithful person. He thought he was the only faithful person. His despair, though, was unfounded and self-focused. It was based on fear and the isolation that that fear had led to. Elijah tried to justify running away from ministry. Well, we often feel alone in a cold, indifferent world that's hostile to us. It can be hard enough to have energy to keep on living, let alone ministering, let alone serving others. And sometimes we feel like we're the only faithful one. We're the only faithful church. And we're afraid. We isolate ourselves. Well, what happens when a, children is, a child is scared? Usually they run right 
to their parent. And they grab on to them. But unlike children, what we adults do is we try to go it alone when we're afraid. Often what happens when we face difficulty is that we run away. We run away from faith. We run away from church. We run away rather than finding where God is in the midst of the difficulty. I wonder if right now, if you, like Elijah, find yourself in a cave of fear. Well, we need to know the good news in the midst of our caves of fear. In Matthew 6, Jesus tells us not to worry, but to live trusting God in the midst of this day's trouble. Do not worry about your life. God cares for the birds. Are they not of more value than you? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. The Lord wasn't done with Elijah. He gave Elijah a sign, again, that he was with him in the midst of his troubles, in the midst of his fears. And this time, though, the sign wasn't as dramatic as fire coming down to burn up a sacrifice, as bringing back from the dead a dead son. This time, God was not found in the rock-breaking wind, or the earthquake, or the fire, the Lord was present in a low whisper. God is always giving us signs that he is with us. Some are dramatic, others are not. And if we want to see God, we need to pay attention. Because God is always at work reminding us that in Jesus Christ he is with us, that in Jesus Christ we can live full lives in the midst of difficulty and fear. Well, often we look past that low whisper, looking for that great revelation, another great revelation, or some commandment. But what the Lord does is he asks actually Elijah again, this question, what are you doing here? That can't be what Elijah was expecting. Elijah probably was expecting, here's what you need to do next. But he says again, what are you doing here? This question challenges Elijah. It challenges us to reassess our situation. This question meets Elijah. It meets us in the midst of our fears and asks us to look to the future. Well, if you're looking at your Bible, or if you remember, you know what Elijah does next, right? He says exactly the same thing as the first time when God asked him that question. Elijah looked right back to the past. 
his response was exactly the same as before. And I think this is what sums it up. He's saying, I'm going to believe in the lies of fear that bring self-focus. I'm going to believe those lies of fear that made me disengage and run away because I am the only faithful one. Engaging in ministry is useless. It doesn't change anything. Elijah was so focused on others seeking to take away his life that Elijah, though, was the one whose actions was taking away life. His actions were taking him away from life-giving ministry. So will we look to the past, caught up in our past inadequacy, caught up in our current inadequacy, and all the reasons that we have to fear? Will we dwell in our own self-focus, focused on all the difficulties that we face, There's an alternative. We can look to the future because God is with us. We can participate in life-giving ministry here at Nielsville and in the community. There is a future beyond the cave. God told Elijah to go back to work. And God made clear he had plans for the future, that he was still at work too, that it wasn't just up to Elijah. Elijah wasn't the only person God had a successor for him. And there were also 7,000 faithful to God that would be ministering with Elijah. Well, even though there were 7,000 and his successor, God still called Elijah to be part of that work of ministry. Elijah wasn't to give up in the midst of his fear. God would not let him give in to it. There is a future for us beyond dwelling in our fears. Our fears easily take us away from that life of ministry that God calls us to. But ministry, just that acting out of faith, it can be difficult. But what it does is it brings life to us and to others. So God points us to a future in which we are continually invited to be a part of what he is doing in the world. So it comes back to the question, will you live by faith or by fear? Wait, that's, that's not the right way to ask it. It's will you live by faith in the midst of your fears and worries? Listen anew to what God is calling you to do. Look not at the past. Don't dwell in your fear and difficulties. But remember God's faithfulness to you. Remember God's faithfulness to our church. And as you remember that, then you'll be able to look to the future, knowing that God will continue to be with you in the midst of fear in difficulty, that God will continue to empower you to minister. Let us pray.
Lord Jesus, you indeed know all our fears. You know all our difficulties. And so we are here before you, needing your strength, your help, and your guidance. Lead us, we pray. Empower us anew. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.